Hello, friends, and welcome to the most glorious of events, the Movie Mavericks Podcast. This outstanding program is hosted by two fine gentlemen, Jason and Trevor. Now make it so. MovieMavericks.com Hey, now everybody, welcome to episode 383 of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. I'm Trevor Anderson, send you over to Jason Rugard. He's got a rundown for us. It's Oscar time, and that means our Oscar special. Tonight we'll be giving you our top five of 2022 list, as well as our bottom three, and our picks for the Oscars that are coming up in just a few weeks' time. Tonight, you're going to get all the inside scoop on what we think. So uh, join us as we review... (laughs) The year that was. Yes. What do you think, as compared to 2021, do you think that it was a better year on even? How do you feel? Do you, a little bit easier to make the list this year, a little bit harder? Yeah, I mean, it, compared to the last couple of years, yeah, sure. I don't think we did a one for 2020 year, did we? It was or, too barren. Did we do one for, I don't think we did one for 2021 either. No, it was too barren. It was too depressing. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I think because of COVID, uh, you know, we're still seeing... I feel like we're still seeing some of that this year as well. There's a lot of uh, of dumping, a lot of uh, older films, but we still got the some of the newer ones, some of the bigger ones, even though they were not great. So, yeah, but I'm excited uh-huh. that at least I got back to the movie theater a few more times than I would have this year, and I think that a, a number of these movies that are on my top five list, I think three out mm-hmm. of the top five I saw in a theater. So I think that may have impacted my decision making as well. That's good. I saw two out of my top five in a theater which was probably two more than you saw the previous year out of your i mean how many oh, yeah, you, I'm, I'm, uh, you hadn't well, gone for a while right yeah but i did i feel like i did go see some some stuff in 2021 and 2020 i didn't see anything yeah me neither um actually i don't i'm not even sure if, could you have if you hadn't gone like it was drive-ins things like, like that. in january or february or something i could oh it was drive-ins that's right oh and i did see some drive-in stuff, um, not 2020, but I, I think in 2021. I don't remember. It's all. Blur. I went a couple times, but it wasn't. It wasn't very much. There wasn't a lot out. You know, it wasn't until, uh, you know, I don't know. I, the celebration didn't start until Top Gun Maverick released, right? I mean, <laughs> honestly, right. let's just be honest. Is that not true? <laughs> hey, according to Spielberg, Cruz saved the industry. Did you see right? that uh, viral video? <laughs> yeah. That went, yeah, that was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, when when Spielberg tells you that you save the theatrical distribution model, uh, you got to be pretty happy with yourself. That, that's like Dr. Dre saying that you save the record industry. You know, you did a good job there. Right. All right. Where should we start off tonight's show? Do you want to start off with my uh, worst of the year, best of the year? What do you want to yeah, do? Yeah, let's here? do uh, let's do the ass picks first. All right. So I'm going to start off with uh, my top three worst films of 2022, and I'm going to start uh, from most uh, awful to most disappointing so from three two to one so the third spot goes to black adam dwayne johnson's superhero take that came out and did okay business in theaters but will not spawn any future installments at this point it's not crazy to see what happened here and that is just too many chefs in the kitchen and things got really murky along the way resulting in one of the most confusing and uninvolving superhero films i've seen in a long time Dwayne Johnson, I've I've been a fan of. You've been a fan of him, too, since back in the rundown days and Walking Tall. And he's rendered pretty much charisma-free here. I did not find anything likable about this movie. And outside of Pierce Brosnan's uh, sly performance as a a sexy old fox there, um, (laughs) I I didn't. And Pierce Brosnan is still the man. I mean, anything he does, he still brings a certain uh, regalness, too. But uh, besides from him, I thought there was very little to recommend in this movie. So... 
For me, Black Adam is the third worst film of the year. Moving on quickly, the second mm-hmm. worst film of the year for me was Moonfall, Roland Emmerich's epic wannabe. Uh, you saw this one, so you can weigh in on this too. Would this have made your worst of the year list? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess. I, I don't know. It, it was definitely a huge uh, letdown uh, based on the, the trailers. I did really want to see this. I thought this would be... Uh, I don't know, a better, uh, just a funner action movie. And it turned out to really be kind of boring and kind of regurgitated nonsense we've already seen before from Roland Emmerich. You know, nothing really new and nothing big enough. I don't know. It wasn't, maybe it's a lot to expect, but like even Avatar 2, as compared to like the first Avatar, is still on par. Like it's just as good, right? It's it's, it's big and it's directed well and it's it's a good movie, but this just no like as compared to independence day even it's it's not even that interesting it it makes you have a certain or at least it made me had a certain appreciation for independence day resurgence which i was very hard on a couple years back <laughs> it, and i think that is a bad movie though it's man. a terrible movie and i'm a little bit more favorable to it having seen this because yeah, right. i thought this was a bit of a bait and switch too because i thought as the title suggested the moon was falling and here we're going to get like an armageddon uh deep impact type situation and instead we got a monster movie and you got an independence another independence day i wasn't yeah I, I i didn't expect that and with this cast i wasn't impressed and it's coming with emmerich just throw together a name cast for the foreign audience hope that it hits here and i thought that midway yeah. was a step back in the right direction for him and this takes two steps back in the wrong direction okay so the film that i am picking as the worst film of 2022 is must be prefaced by saying that it's technically well made it's a skillful film the acting is competent the directing is quite good in some spots and there are moments that do hum along but in terms of overall disappointment i think halloween ends is the most disappointing film of 2022 that's why i'm putting it as the worst because i gave the last installment a four-star review i really thought that it hit a nerve i thought it, it did exactly what good horror is supposed to do and Halloween ends, tears up all the goodwill that was built over the last two films, and goes in such a sidebar direction that I just didn't, I didn't find it compelling, and I found it anything cynical, if anything. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I mean, I'd agree. Coming off those first two uh, movies, which are so great, and this one just takes a, a completely different turn. It is completely out of the blue. It's a good movie. But it's not the Halloween movie that you wanted. It's not 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 even the Halloween movie you deserved, right? And so, in that sense, it was a huge letdown um, as far as I'm concerned. We reviewed this a while back. If you really want to hear us go on and on about how much we hate it, <laughs> yeah, we do go on for quite a while. Um, and again, even even back then, we said it's not that it's a bad movie. It's just not at all what anyone would have wanted. And maybe they were trying to do something artistic with it and give you what you didn't think you wanted, but you, you know, they knew what you what you really wanted, but it just it doesn't work. I was really surprised because they had hit a lot of high notes that I didn't think were possible with that second one. I think that you liked the first one more than I did, and I liked the second mm-hmm. one more than you did. But we both thought the first two were superior entertainments, and now you get this, and it's just not necessary for this story, this franchise. Um, it's it's almost a bizarre kind of like a twilight zone type entry in this entry you know what i mean it's almost like season of the witch in the first one that doesn't really have anything to do with the michael myers storyline 
a bit bizarre there. But hey, let's get on to greener pastures. Let's talk about the best films of 2022, because this is something that uh, I'm very curious. We haven't talked about this off air, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm curious what made your top five, because our tastes are very similar, very often. I have some weird shit on here, man. And often our taste <laughs> is very dissimilar. So um, I know. Should we do? Should we? Let's go both five, do four, our three, two, honorable one. mentions. Do you want to do our honorable mentions first? Yeah, just real quick. Uh, fly anyway, I want to throw in another category on the honorable mention because I had a few that okay. I, I got snuck in, and that's called <laughs> guilt, guilty pleasure. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, I guess Same technically, kind of I think all these are guilty pleasure, but. Um, my, my three honorable mentions have to be smile, black phone and ticket to paradise. Okay. Okay. All right. Those would have wound up in my bottom five somewhere if I had to do a top 10 for sure. And what's funny is that in, in my honorable mentions that I have is, uh, ticket to paradise. So we, (laughs) we both have, uh, that on there, uh, black phone Uh, and uh, bullet train. Which uh, I okay. I quite enjoyed uh, as well. So I found those to be, and now on my guilty pleasure, I snuck two more in mm-hmm. because there are two <laughs> films that I have a a sneaky affection for, and I cannot defend on any level. One is Uncharted. Did you see this? The okay, Mark Wahlberg, I didn't like Tom it. Holland film. Yeah, I thought it was terrible. I thought I I don't <laughs> I know what it. I was expecting, but I thought it was really kind of charming, and yeah. um, the interplay yeah. between Holland and Wahlberg was very very amusing. And um, I don't know. I, it got under. I, it charmed me. Is the best way to describe it. So I, found, I, I thought they were both annoying in it. But gu- guilty I, pleasure. I see what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Indefensible. I have no defense. I can't logically defend this. So trust me. I. Well, and that's uh, fine. my other one would be Babylon, which was the great big fiasco mm-hmm. released in December. This gaudy uh, epic that is part Boogie Night, part Heaven's Gate. And um, part of oh your life, it's going to take three hours to watch it. So it's it's a that, but, that does not sound like a good mashup, man. <laughs> no, it's not for a lot of it. It's not, but it's also it needs to be seen to be believed in a lot of ways. And um, I, I just think that it's so it's so vibrant, and the set pieces are so constructed with such care and detail that it deserves to at least be seen by anybody that appreciates. Um, the craft because it's it's not just a a total misfire it's flawed but it does have some really really interesting moments in it so um, I right. do recommend it yeah all right cool. those out so we're gonna now you want to alternate or, or alternate between us but go from yeah. five to one let's do that and I'll uh, I'll let you start with your number five all right well that's fair because you already said uh, it was in your honorable mentions my number five is Bullet Train the only movie that. Uh, from last year that I actually watched twice and uh, found that I liked it even more the second time. Um, I didn't actually really like it the first time I watched it, but watching it the second time, uh, yeah, this is just an an enjoyable movie. I thought it's got a lot of a charisma and charm to it. And while it's something of twists and turns and once you've kind of seen that, you'd think that, or at least I would have thought it would have ruined it. But on the second watch, it still played, played just fine. It's bizarre because these elements shouldn't work. This is a feathered fish in a lot of ways. You have Rod, uh, you know, type, like a Rodriguez type segments. You have Jackie Chan elements. You yeah. have this anime quality. You have this goofy humor that well, doesn't all always the, work. The, the twists and turns, like once you've seen that, like you'd kind of think that you'd be done with it. But they still play out. Um, just well, I think it's really it's surprisingly well directed, actually, here by by David. Uh, uh, Lech, Leech, whatever Lech? his name is. Yeah, yeah, the guy from um, you know the the stunt team behind John Wick. 
um, who is now branching off on his own. And I think this is his yeah. strongest work, uh, more so than Atomic Blonde or Hobbs and Shaw or even Deadpool 2. I'd agree. I thought this was a lot of fun. Like, I could actually watch this for a third time, and I don't think I'd have a problem with it. It's just, uh, it's, it's always interesting. It surprises I'll say that, me and I like the characters. That we can still get decent versions of this kind of movie. You know, I thought we had peaked with yeah. Snatch in the Tarantino era, but, you know, we're still getting things like The Gentleman and Bullet Train that are, are quality versions of this kind of tough guy, uh, self-knowing hitmen, you know, these kind of uh, existential people in these action films. And I love the Thomas the Train part in this movie, too. You know, <laughs> I just there's small exactly. touches in here that are really really good in the vendetta with the wedding and the whole nine. I just, I really liked that. Um, so I can't, I can't fault you on that because mm-hmm. it, it was on my honorable mentions list. So well, well what's done, your, sir. what's your number five? My number five for the year is Steven Spielberg's the Fablemans, which was the front runner, mm-hmm. I think a couple of weeks back to win the best picture. And I didn't think it's not my best you know, favorite film of the year for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen the film, this is going to be fairly spoiler free. I know you've seen it now, right? Yeah. Okay, so I do want to say this. My quibble with the film is is one thing. If you've seen the HBO documentary Spielberg, you know ultimately that the parents did, get back together. Dude, the, is that why I basically know everything that happened in this movie? Yes, because you've seen I'm it Because I'm watching all. this movie and I'm like, I feel like I've been told these stories. Like, uh, I feel like I know all these anecdotes. Like this, someone does something and I'm like, Dick, I swear I've heard that somewhere. Probably because I saw that documentary. <laughs> So I hadn't seen the documentary previously, even though it's a couple years old. I put it on after the film, and the parents get back together at a late age, and the father is such a mensch. I mean, he's such a, mm-hmm. a beautiful person. He says, um, you know, he, he didn't mind that the children were mad at him for all these years because he was a stronger person and he could mm-hmm. handle it. And then you come to find out Spielberg and him didn't even really get back to being involved in each other's lives until about 99 which the film itself doesn't really explain. So as a fairy tale, as an ode to the love of filmmaking, um, as a a coming-of-age story, I really liked it. The character of the mother, I think, is the least successful element of the movie, and it almost made me drop it off the top five because of that. (laughs) But despite Michelle Williams' I think very mannered performance, I don't see the genius behind it like everyone else does, I thought that the movie itself was um, entertaining enough, even if it's not exactly a true representation of what Spielberg went through. That last scene where he just marches down the lot and Universal and everything's all good, it's a little bit different than that. But the movie itself was good enough to get five on my, my spot here. So hmm. um, that's what I got there. Now, what do you got in the fourth spot, moving down the list? My number four was Father Stew. Okay. Which is the uh, Mark Wahlberg uh, movie, uh, true life story about the uh, boxer guy who turns into a uh, priest. Mm-hmm. And I just thought this was such a feel-good movie, and I really thought that Wahlberg was uh, just doing some real acting for once. <laughs> I thought he knocked in this, this role out and of the he's, park. He's fantastic in it. You know, he's incredibly likable. Um, and I'm sure the real life Father Stu it can't possibly be as likable as Mark Wahlberg made him out to be, even when he's doing something or making a, a difficult decision that's possibly the right decision by him, but hard for other people like changing his life type stuff even when he does these types of things you're still with him somehow i don't know i i thought this is a really good movie it's a very uplifting story um even though it's kind of sad but um yeah i i, I recommend this to anyone who just wants a, a a good drama 
Yeah, you know, every once in a while, you just want a really good drama about real people. You may think you've seen this movie because you saw The Fighter, and it's another Marky Wahlberg in a boxing film. That's nothing film. like that. Yeah. It is really nothing like that. And it's not overbearing in a lot of the ways that a lot of these faith-based films are. It's actually a movie. Mel Gibson is the unsung hero of the film, too. You didn't mention him as the father. I mean, he is father, great yes. in this movie. <laughs> um, and I think that uh, this is a... a you know, I brought up Boogie Nights earlier. There's a little bit of a Dirk Diggler quality to this guy, this naive youngster who's coming to Hollywood to make it and then falls on some rougher times. And, and is this leads to that and you know, finds faith and whatnot. But I did think that this was good enough to almost make my honorable mention list, but I gave that spot to, to Black Phone. But I was right there with you on this, buddy. I actually thought this was really, really surprisingly good. Okay, my fourth spot is uh, a film that... We haven't talked about a lot of these movies that we're going to talk about, I think, tonight. So this will be news to Trevor. We'll talk a little bit about them. Do what we do. We do, but some of these might be surprises to you that I have seen these and that they've made my list. But uh, My number three will be a surprise as well. All right. So number four (laughs) for me is The Northman, uh, Robert Eggers' film starring Alexander Skarsgård that came out earlier this year. I was not expecting much because Robert Eggers has continually disappointed me I find his films way too esoteric and cold. I think I told you I hated it too. So yeah, that probably helped in, in bringing some some. But but maybe see maybe I actually helped you. I, you know maybe it just brought no. <laughs> I, I didn't bring any sort of preconceived notions to it, and there I you just go, yeah. I thought you know when it started, I thought man, this is basically just Conan all over again. I mean, this is literally Conan the Barbarian, but now we're just in a Valhalla. That's type the setting. good thing about it. Yeah, and I did, but you know I didn't mind. I, it flowed along, and I really enjoyed it. And as a juxtaposition, I watched The Green Knight a couple nights after, which is a totally different type of movie in a more mystical realm right. and a little bit more shiny and be- kind of like Excalibur, if you will, which is also another beautiful movie. If you haven't seen The Green Knight, kind I highly of, yeah. recommend that. Um, but but well, having watched the two, I just really grew to appreciate the the amount of force and will and, and just the filmmaking feat of having put that movie on film. And um, that also, I guess, was helping my enjoyment of it. You know, people were raving about The Revenant a couple of years ago. I have to imagine The uh-huh. Northman was just as hard to make as The Revenant, if, if not harder, with this you know, crew and location and the amount of people he had to wrangle. So um, for me, The Northman goes number four on my list uh, of last I year. Guess. I guess. I wasn't, you were I wasn't enthralled with The Northman. I didn't really like it. I, but, but then again, it was built up to me. And so by the time I saw it, and it has a weird flow to it and – so I don't know if that hadn't, you know, maybe see if maybe someone told me yeah, I hated that movie. Maybe I would have liked it. I think Robert Eggers' films all have a weird flow. Uh, none of them have any sort of yeah straight progression. They have ebbs and flows, and it's almost like I don't a know. Tide. It took me out of that movie too much, like because I had such expectations because it starts out as fucking Conan, but mm-hmm. then it doesn't really play like Conan. No, it gets into some weird um, love story yeah, slave so. thing. But it's the, the visuals I mean, itself and the the commitment to performance from Skarsgård, sure. I just thought this this it was very striking to me. Mm-hmm. All right, give me your number three. All right, my number three is uh, an Indian movie called RRR. Oh yeah, or yeah. Rrr. <laughs> um, I don't know if anyone has seen this thing. Uh, it's it's very long. Uh, it might still be streaming on Netflix. I don't think it was a Netflix purchase. I, like, I don't think it's a Netflix film. It might be. But um, if you get a chance to watch this, uh, do it. It's fantastic. It is a super fun, uh, a ridiculous action movie um, about these two guys from two different walks of life, kind of 
coming together and you know making things right in India. You know they're they're going up against the government. Is it a and, musical? Uh, yeah. There's a you know what there's a musical part in it and it ain't that bad. Okay. <laughs> but okay. no, it's not it's not really a musical. But it, it's like three hours long. Aren't um, they all? But but it has a musical part. Well, no, I mean this one's epic. But there's there's a lot of budget to this. There's great action sequences. Um, and the characters are are uh, really awesome. The, these the two uh, people who play the the two main characters are really good in it. Um, I don't know their names. You know, apologies. There's there's some Indian guy that I've never seen them before. Um, but yeah, the story's really great. And like I said, and the songs are fun. I thought the songs are, they're ridiculous and and fun. And it's a bit of a um, an extreme movie, you know, in, in that sense of it's clearly a foreign film. You know, if you've seen like any Asian type cinema before, any any India type stuff, it's it's in your face. It's big. It's brash, um, but meaningful. Meaningful relationships. Great story. Is this the one with the tiger? They keep showing the clips with the guy's tigers to his face. Face to face with the tiger for some reason. No? There's a sequence with that? I don't... Um, I mean, there, I believe in the beginning, there's there's the, he he's running from... I think he's running from a tiger. I don't know if it's a tiger or a leopard. But he's running from two animals. If I remember that. I saw this a while ago. He, he outsmarts two animals maybe I want to say two predators somehow he escapes them he shows because there's a guy from the city and a guy from like the country right gotcha and the dude from the country in the beginning starts off in the jungle like and he's being chased by something maybe it was a tiger something like that um i don't well, know I, this got I, I think that was in the trailer too, so. it got made a ton of money at the box office here locally even domestically and um it's i hear this quite a bit that this actually had a chance it's, one to of, be it's nominated. honestly one of the most surprising movies i've seen yeah and while. you're not a big fan of Hollywood films. I mean, I've never heard you recommend a Bollywood film to me ever. So, no, I don't. Typically, I don't like them, but this one is just really good. And like I say, the cinematography is great, the acting's great, story's great, action sequences are great. It's just it's a rip roaring fun time. All right, shit. Are you selling me, man? You're selling me. <laughs> All right, what do I got in the third spot? Okay, yeah. So what I got in the third spot is Boslerman's Elvis, the summer film that came out with Tom Hanks and Austin Butler. Um, Hanks seems to have been forgotten in all the hoopla around Butler's performance, which is a staggeringly good performance. I mean, it's just, it's, you think you're looking at Elvis, and I've never been the biggest Elvis fan, but after watching this movie, it did the ultimate favor for him where I got on YouTube and was watching performances of his, um, even some old, I tried to get through some old movies of his, but man, trying to get through those old Elvis movies, my goodness, I don't know if you've ever those watched any of those. Those are, yes, no, wow. I can't, no. I those are like no to beach those. blanket type movies, you know, like the summer. They're 60s and oh. yeah, summer of love stuff. It's, it, they're rough. Almost unwatchable unless you're a true fan. You had fan. to be there probably. You know, it was a moment in time for sure. But the movie itself is Lerman's typical, um, you know, methed up ADHD type filmmaking and mostly successful. There are a few elements, I thought, uh, musical cues and maybe a, a couple of scenes that dragged on a little long in the second act. And otherwise, though, uh, really a, st- a towering achievement if you really think about the musical biopics that we've had in the last few years, I know a lot of raving has been done about Ray and Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man, but those left me cold for the most part. And Elvis, 
for whatever reason, I, I got into from the jump and I was with all the way. So this is my pick for the number three of the year. Have you seen it yet? All right. I have not seen this movie yet. I ah. really don't have, I haven't seen this. I haven't seen Delton John movie. I haven't seen the, the, uh, but the queen movie. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't really recommend any of them because you know the story. Have you seen a good documentary? You've I know seen the story them. of all of them, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> all right, we're making our way down the list. What is your pick for the second best movie of 2022? So my number two, possibly no surprise, is Top Gun Maverick. It's just a little movie, Tom Cruise movie. Probably <laughs> never seen it. Um, uh, yeah, Top Gun Maverick, man. This movie's fucking awesome. I mean, really, really, do I have to say anything more? Have people, everyone's seen this, right? I don't, everyone knows. I mean, I'm surprised it's not my number one, but I saw something recently and you know, Hey, I'm Shit sorry. Happens. I'm sorry, Tom. I'm sorry. Yeah. Tell me. Okay. Um, but yeah, but this is a great movie, obviously great action sequence, uh, fantastically written Tom Cruise playing his Tom Cruise character to the extreme perfection. Absolutely. Right. Um, yeah. just everything about this movie is great. Joseph Kaczynski, his directions good again <laughs> yeah it's solid always I mean, has the guy had a bad movie yet he's had a couple well, you know, I mean, that oblivion work. i don't think was a very good movie um but but solid direction maybe Still. okay i always forget about oblivion shit i just don't think it was that good of a movie in, in general but um and i think people agree because it didn't really do that well but yeah i mean obviously like tron legacy it's fucking awesome only the brave is as you well know. Top Gun. I have not still have, still haven't seen it, but it looks really good. So it's I'll leave it on that good. one. It's basically Top Gun with firefighters. Yeah. So yeah. It. So uh, so yeah. And, and this is like uh, again we have we have all these movies. Everyone's running around like uh, toxic masculinity and stuff. And here's masculinity, and it's real masculinity, and it's not toxic. So it's take also, that, everybody. It's a love letter it. to the military as well. I mean, our our military, which is a nice sentiment to see on screen sure, but this is just this feels like an old movie it feels like a 90s um esque movie right when back when we had movies where men were men and it wasn't a bad thing yeah a beautiful film and uh i think you'll be hearing me talk about it a little bit later as well <laughs> <laughs> all right what's your number two uh, my number two is the unbearable weight of massive talent. Interesting. Wow, that's that hit number two for you. I couldn't have enjoyed this movie more. This was my second favorite time at the movies last year. I saw this in a theater and just, I, I, I don't know. I've always been a Nicolas Cage fan. I think you are too. And I think most people mm -hmm. are to some degree, but it's like, what's your tolerance? It's like hot sauce. How much <laughs> of this shit can you take? You know what I mean? Like what's your level of tolerance of Nicolas Cage? Well, yeah, I mean, you definitely feel strung out if you watch a, a, a Nicolas Cage marathon. You can't do more than two in a row or it's, it's like fighting in war more than 30 days. You'll go insane. You know, it's so the thing is with Nicolas Cage, uh, sometimes a little is is better. And with this, I thought he peppered this role with just the right amount of right amount of cageisms with his um, odd sensibility and honestly, his comedic timing because he is good in this role. Um, the sequence where they're on LSD and they think they're being chased, I think it is one of the funnier things I saw all of last year <laughs> in any film. Um, so I really appreciated mm -hmm. that. And just the the spirit of this movie and the meta-ness of it, I thought that, you know, if somebody had done this along the lines of Charlie Kaufman, 
then they'd be talking about Oscars for this. But because Kaufman wasn't behind it, and you, you know you have a filmmaking team that's maybe not of that level, it didn't get really any recognition. I mean, not even a Golden Globe nomination, which I thought would have been for the comedy musical section. You know, uh, something a bone for Cage, be something, but nothing. If you haven't seen it, I say highly recommend to check it out. It's got Pedro Pascal in it, along with Nicolas Cage. And one of the more entertaining, funnier films, Tiffany Haddish is in it as well. Ike Bernholtz, big, mm-hmm. big cast, but um, didn't score much of an audience reaction and kind of came and went without much fanfare. Did you ever catch up with it? Oh, yeah, I saw it. It was It's okay. Yeah, yeah I know you weren't. <laughs> Honestly, you weren't. it doesn't deliver what it, it promised as far as I'm concerned. And so, yeah. You know, those movies are hit and miss. Um, I still think the best, the best recent movie, uh, you know, similar in that vein would, would be JCVD. I still think that's a better film. You know, I'm going to throw another one in there that's, I don't, I, I would say is not as good as this movie or that, but was along the lines where it was getting pretty interesting uh-huh. was the last movie star with Burt Reynolds that they made before okay. he passed away. Did you see that one? The Adam Rifkin film? Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I agree with you. That movie was just cheap. I think that that movie's problem. Well, I think also he was dying um, basically when they were making it, but Reynolds, so they could. He was very old. Um, yeah. He had, a, I think, he had to walk with a cane and stuff, even in that. Um, but yeah, that one was good. You're right about that. But that is a that's definitely a direct video movie. I would say, a lo- or a lesser film. It wasn't very cinematic. JCVD though should not be overlooked. That's a fantastic meta film with Jean Claude Van Damme playing himself and giving one of the best monologues that of that decade by any actor. To be honest, I, I loved that monologue sequence. I think that went viral for a while, like in the early days of it YouTube. Did, yeah, yeah, early days of YouTube. All right, we're uh, we're marching on here. What do you got in the top spot, my man? Let me hear what your your top pick is. Well, look, I think you already know. Um, I'm, I'm happy to say there's a third Darren Aronofs- Darren Aronofsky movie that I actually like. What are the other two that you're fans <laughs> um, of? First of all, what are Give the me- other two? Black Swan and Pie. Okay. And there's there's other ones that I like. I mean, Noah's fine, but whatever. The wrestler is. I don't. Eh, no, whatever. It's the fountain, I think, is terrible. It's a, Mother's it can, terrible. Mother is the worst one. And Requiem for a Dream. I never really. I just never really got into it. But it's fine. You know, I, don't I respect have it. Bad to I say about it. it. Yeah. So, but uh, but yeah, I'm talking about the whale here. Uh, the new one. Um, yeah, I mean, on all levels, like this. Why is this not up for Best Picture? You know, this should win Best Picture. This should win Best Adapted Screenplay. This should should win Best Actor for Brendan Fraser. He's phenomenal in this. Sadie Sink, the the um, the his kid in this is really good. Hong Chow, I guess is maybe how you say. She's great. The Ty Simpkins kid. The, uh, the cast is fantastic. Um, the writing's good. It's weird because it's a play, um, and it's still a play. You can tell it's a play. Uh, but I don't mind it at all. It shot Academy. Please, more four by three movies, please. The the framing on this stuff is amazing, um, and it makes it so uh, uh, intimate. You know, uh, I don't know. It's it's one of those great movies. It's definitely going to win best makeup. I mean, come on, the makeup in this is incredible, the special effects, but the attention to detail in the apartment, um, in the, the way the movie is shot, and it's directed. You know, it's it's framed, it's blocked, it's and the whole thing takes place in just his apartment, pretty much, and a little bit just outside of it. And it's insane, but it's definitely an Aronofsky movie. You can tell there's there's the the themes in this are multi layered, and they run through the whole thing. So it's definitely right up his alley, and he does a, a great job with it. Um, 
if you liked Black Swan, you're you're definitely gonna like this. It's not nowhere. It's obviously the, all the weirdness is gone. There's no weirdness. It's just a straight drama. But all that layering of thematic uh, uh, greatness, it's all here. And uh, and yeah, it, it, just just for Brendan Fraser's performance alone, watch this movie. I didn't realize it was all set in one location. So that's interesting. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a play, um, and it it feels like a play. You can tell. I I would actually this would be a play that if I went and saw this play, I would probably be blown away by it. It's it's really uh, a great story. It's very cinematic. Like I can't explain. I don't know. It's a movie that stuck with me for these past couple of days as well. I keep thinking about because there's so many themes and there's so many characters that have interactions that play on each other and they're little things. Is there's nothing like huge. It's it's a little drama, but. Um, it's speaking to larger um, issues in you know people's personal lives. Interesting, because I don't want to give too much away from it because I think people no, should experience it on their this. own. You know, and every people will. I mean, this is obviously going to, I think, find a wider audience when it's more readily available because it didn't look like, at least for me, the kind of movie I would need Maybe. to see on a big screen. As it, most I didn't Arnowski think so either, but are. it was really good on the on the big screen. Oh, okay. I, you know, but I remember when The Wrestler was out and everybody was proclaiming that to be the best thing of the year. And I, I agree. Saw People it and, still do like yeah. that movie like that. But I, I feel the same way. So maybe you'll feel the same way about this. Is that I don't know, man. I just I thought this was filmmaking at its finest. And maybe I haven't seen fine filmmaking in so long. But, you know, this just blew everything else out of the I mean, The Fablemans fucking sucks compared to this. Honestly. Wow. And it, okay. The Fablemans kind of sucked anyways, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, this is it did. This is real filmmaking. There's heart and stuff in this. The Fablemans, bro. He makes he barely makes movies in it, and the dad works does amazing stuff as well <clears throat> with engineering and stuff. And that stuff's barely in the movie. What's in the movie is that the mom and the dad don't know how to be good with each other. That's the that's that fucking movie. Give me a break. Hey, I liked Seth Rogen a lot in that movie, even though you know his character. You're meant He's to feel highly likable in that. Yeah, <laughs> I feel a certain way about. I really liked him in that movie, uh, and the sequences where he's All screening right. his. Th- Anyways, that we'll get back to that. I, mean, I agree. The the whale is your pick for the the best film of last year. Yep. So let's. What's your number one? I think I know. My number one would be Mr. Tommy with Top Gun, <laughs> and um, I mean, who'd have thought that after waiting thirty six years for a sequel, that it would have delivered on this level? For everything that Halloween Ends wasn't, for all the times that I've gone to seen a movie that was just trying to rifle shit through my childhood and resell it to me, if it's Star Wars: The Force Awakens or right? whatever it is, you know, so many failed attempts. Mm-hmm to do this properly and who to fucking pull it off you got tom cruise who just defies <laughs> logic and continues to make quality entertaining films for decade after fucking decade i mean he has got to be the hollywood star of all stars mm-hmm. I, I honestly the guy who wants to do nothing more than to entertain the shit out of you has some sort of integrity it might be the last star whose name on a movie actually means that some fucking thought and care went into the storyline and not just the peripherals not just the marketing and the special effect but somebody who gives a fuck about how a story is told because this is a real movie this has a beginning a middle and an end which most movies nowadays don't. They have a premise, and then that's it. It's it's unbelievable <laughs> how this thing glides itself to a conclusion. And I'll, I'll you know you you went over it beautifully, so I can't add much. But I will say a quote I heard from Quentin Tarantino, who referred to this as the last great Tony Scott film, is after, as 
as if Tony Scott came back and gave us one last film. And it really is. I mean, I can't Mm -hmm. imagine, obviously Scott would have made different directorial decisions here and there, but I can't imagine it being- Hugely different, I think. I can't imagine though it would have been that different visually. I mean, they copied his visual style to such a point. Not the editing style, but I don't know because he's he's old. So he's old school, so I don't know. I think that- I, mean, I agree with you. I think they did. But it's clearly that's a Joseph uh, Kaczynski film. Who no one else could have but you're done right. the job. As far as I'm I concerned, right, yeah. Kaczynski is, was the man for the job and nobody else. If we had to get Oblivion to get him and Cruz together to get this, yeah. fine with me. Fine with I me. agree with you, man. I don't know who. How, and it's called Top Gun Maverick. Who like th- That who doesn't sound like it sounds like a joke, right? Like, how could that be good? It's fucking amazing. It sounds like it should be premiering on Netflix, like Axel Foley or Beverly Hills Cop. It, it, yes, Axel it Foley. does. You're right. You know, it, it, it does not sound like it has any sort of integrity. And from the moment the movie opens, you know that loving care has been given to every frame and that the thought is behind everything and that logic yeah. and, cus- and, and character motivation is everything in this movie mm-hmm. and not just the flying well, scenes. I agree. Yeah. It's, we, need, we need more filmmakers and less IP, you know? Um, you know they're pushing like this isn't a trilogy no not at all how how could that be though what what do you mean how could this not be a trilogy it's just a sequel that's yeah. insane but, but will we get more top guns who knows who cares don't worry about it let's not you have let's top not Maverick. fuck things up no I, I don't think we need it anymore that's what i'm saying move on tom cruise can do other things you know kaczynski can do other things um yeah i'm i'm i don't know the the, the it's it's crazy the way that they just want to take intellectual property now and just uh, just drill it into the ground, you know. And, and if you want to keep pumping sequels, if Paramount needs to have money being poured into their coffers, you have the Mission Impossible franchise, which I actually think gets a boost now 100%. because of the popularity of crews coming oh, off totally. this. You know, I think the, that they're and reinvigorated the, and they look good still. Yeah, uh, the trailers are the really trailers play great. for those. Um, so yeah, that's going to be a, I feel that's going to be huge. Cause and those were already built up to being, uh, bigger and bigger, you know, kind of, kind of a fast and furious esque type thing happened yeah, to that franchise. The last, the last, you know, fallout really, um, grossed, I think the highest grossing so in the series. Too. Yeah, it, it really was. So that, that's a series that's picking up steam. So that's the one you can kind of play with it and, and dip back into and let Cruz, uh, make his big paycheck there. I think now we retire the top gun and I would like. You know, we'll get into the Oscar stuff, but I, I hope it gets a little bit of attention somewhere along the line come Oscar night. <laughs> but uh, those are our picks, and I think we got a solid list between the two of us. I, I really do. I don't think that there's a whole lot of, of deviation on there overall. We, honorable mentions no, and things like that. No, not the We're, same thing. Well, but, I think, but like I say, it was, it's kind of a difficult year um, because – or rather it's an obvious year maybe. That's what you would say. There's a lot of mediocrity um, in there, but there's not a lot of really great stuff. But again, COVID, you know, I think pushed things back and um, really screwed up the whole schedule. But I don't know. Um, No superhero stuff, though, um, which is surprising because it used to be superhero stuff would be in my top 10. Yeah, there was a time when Endgame or uh, Avengers, things like that would have been somewhere. I couldn't imagine a superhero I mean, I mean a lot of it's tolerable i think shazam's pretty good i'd, I'd probably i'll see that sequel probably at some point but some of the marvel stuff i just you know it's too much to this is like we're 30 movies in i don't know how fucking many movies in and we've got 30 more to go like i don't when does it end like <laughs> oh god well for me it ended at endgame 
and I haven't seen No Way Home. I agree. Or, I've, yeah, I, I'm just I've seen Black I Widow. I mean, that one's actually good, but yeah, <laughs> I don't I'm blame sure you. I wouldn't They're watch them They're all technically either. good, and at times I'm in the mood for it, and well, I, I I could watch it. But The Eternals was so mystifying <laughs> yeah. to me that I thought I hadn't studied for my well, test. Wait for the, I just can't wait to see what how bad the Marvel uh, is. But um, I agree with you. Like the Spider-Man movies, uh, I own the Spider-Man movies. What I consider the Spider-Man movies, there's five of them. <laughs> this Marvel shit, I don't want. You know, I don't want it. I didn't mind. I'm the good first with two. my five. I like Tom, Tom Holland quite a bit. I don't mind those, I, but I like him too. I don't mind. Him. I'm not going to own him. I'm not going to watch him. I'm not going to do this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe thing. I'm out. I'm not doing I think it anymore. The overlooked Spider-Man film out of all the ones they've ever made is uh, the 2014 Amazing Spider-Man sequel with Jamie Foxx. I mean, I agree with you. I love that movie a lot. But those, all those Spider-Mans, the Tobey Maguire ones and the... Um, the Garfield? Uh, what's his name? The Andrew Garfield ones are standalone movies. I mean, this is the problem with the Mac Universe. If I want to watch these new Spider-Man movies, they play into a whole fucking... Uh, 30 other fucking movies. Ain't nobody got time for well, that. Well, I'm not watching 30 other movies. Well, am I going to watch this and start halfway in between some other universe, like shit's going on and stuff? I no, no, thank you. I'm, uh, I don't want to do this anymore. I want, I want standalone movies. I want movies that are movies. <laughs> make me one if that one's good. Make me another one. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what How I want. I want to go be. back to that. Yeah, and even if it has a tenuous connection to the previous installment, that's okay too. It doesn't have to fucking follow every beat. And oh have no, to, shit! You know. No, are you, are you kidding? Everyone's always like, "Oh, but you know, Blade was the first uh, uh, Marvel." You're like, "Yeah, you're right." And then Blade Two fucking kicks shit out of Blade One. It's awesome. It has nothing to fucking do with any Blade. Exactly. And you wouldn't even, in fact, if you want to see a Blade movie, just watch Blade 2. Don't watch I'll the Do yourself other a ones. favor. Yeah. Well, the first, one's, is, the first one's not bad, but Blade 2 is the fucking Blade movie. It's the Blade movie, yeah. Okay, let's talk about a couple categories, some major categories in this Oscar race that has been all over the map. I mean, just recently, I think the SAG Awards had everywhere everything all at once named as best picture and a couple of days before that it was all quiet on the western front at the dga awards so there's really no clear front runner going into this race for the major categories and i hmm. figured we would do um i don't know where do you want to start here do you want to start on the low and go high or do you want to start from the best picture and work our way down sure let's go low low to high and on a, on a high okay let me well not really but you know <laughs> Okay, just bear with me here. Let me uh, pull up my list here so I can... We'll see what you consider to be the lowest. How about that? <laughs> okay, let's see here. So with that adapted screenplay, I think would be the, the lowest. Gonna, you're just going to go in order? Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, adapted screenplay. So do you, do you know who the nominees are? Should we say who the nominees uh, yeah. are? All right, give oh, me the nominees. Say, yeah, for a, so best writing for material based on a previously published... Oops. Uh, was it a book or it could be a book or a movie or anything like that, right? Um, it could be a book, a movie. Um, I mean, Top Gun Maverick is, and here's an adapted screenplay, is it not? Or, it is. Yeah. yeah, it is. So I don't, I mean, uh, I'm guessing that's because it's based on previous work. <laughs> <laughs> that makes any sense at all. I don't, I'm not sure if that makes sense. Does that make sense? It is in here, though. It is in here. Which so is, yeah. figure that so, one out. Because existing characters. <laughs> it's based on existing existing. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's yeah. based, based on existing work, which is weird because a lot of screenplays are, but okay, well, whatever. So, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, the nominees are 
Living, which you know nobody has seen, so this is kind of a I don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah, it's a Japanese film, Kazu okay. Ishiguro. Uh, then you got Top Gun Maverick, which is uh, Christopher McQuarrie mm-hmm. is the main uh, person listed there. Then you got Women Talking, Sarah Pauly, mm-hmm. Glass Onion, and Knives Out Mystery, Ryan Johnson, and All Quiet on the Western Front, Edward Berger and L. Patterson. What did you select as the best of that group? Uh, well, I well, I mean, for me, obviously, it's Top Gun Maverick. But if I'm guessing what's going to win, my guess would be Women Talking. Yeah, I think that's the safest bet out of here. And I got a really strange pick on this one because it's a film that we haven't discussed. But I would actually going to give this one to Glass Onion. I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed that sequel. I we haven't how talked about you? it on the show yet. I know, and I was going to put it. Hate it. I know you did, and I, <laughs> once again, maybe because okay. my expectations were very low for it, I did not really enjoy hey, the first Knives Out. I uh, thought this one was great. I really like Death on the Nile, so fucking, you know, have There's at no it. There's no accounting <laughs> for taste. <laughs> have at it, my friend. I, I hear you. But I think that, um, you know, I, I, obviously I would love to see Top Gun get as many Oscars in every category it could possibly get, but I do think that Women Talking is probably the safe bet here, if not all quiet on the Western mm-hmm. front, if they're trying to give something to that film, which looks like it could be I would highly. Case. Uh, yeah, I would highly bet women talking on this one. I think that's the, almost a lock for this. It might be the only here. category that that wins in. <clears throat> yeah, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. So I do original screenplay. Yeah. What's you know what the nominees are there? Yep. Sure. We got uh, Banshees of Inisherin, which I haven't seen, but you've seen. You saw it. You said it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, everywhere, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, the Fablemans, that tear, tar, I don't know how to say it. Mm-hmm. And Triangle of Sadness. What the fuck is Triangle of Sadness? Triangle of Sadness is about a bunch of uh, people on a cruise. It's that Swedish film, I want to say. Hmm. So is there only four nominees? I mean, it sounds familiar, but I don't oh, think five it's... Nominees. Well, there's, okay. there's five. There we go. Yeah. Okay. And uh, what'd you pick in this category? Well, I... Well, I think every, everything, everywhere, all at once, I think will win this. Um, but I, I, I don't know. The only other thing I've seen is the Fablemans. So I don't know. Is, is Banshees of Inisherin better than the Fablemans? I think that it wins this category. That's my, my pick for you this. You think Banshees of Inisherin? I was surprised at how much that film grew on me over time. And I didn't realize, uh, you, you know, it's set against the backdrop of a civil war going on in Ireland. And it's mm-hmm. about two men falling out. And there's a lot of metaphors you know about civil wars and martin mcdonoghue is just such a damn good writer and without making things he's he's a minimalist writer in a lot of ways and uh the performers carry a a lot of the weight but a a majority of this is on the page and they're doing very little uh in terms of verbal trickery but it's just like i said it's so simple his scripts have you seen in bruges did you ever watch in bruges telling me i and i didn't like it but you're telling me i should see this if you have any affection for these lead actors, which I like them both, uh, particularly I know, Farrell, and I do, but I didn't like in, in Bruges or whatever. I didn't like that movie, but this is darker. This isn't, I was going to say, dark. this isn't the same thing, to be fair. No. And there is a nice supporting, no. scre- uh, my supporting turn by Barry Keogh, the kid, you know, from, uh, from the Batman film last year, um, who plays mm-hmm. this young village kind of uh, near-do-well, uh, kind of moron 
dullard if anything and who's ultimately always horny i thought it was um a good little a good little movie that took some some unexpected turns now i want to briefly mention that on this list are two films that are nominated for best picture everywhere everything all at once and tar and i could not stand either of these films literally could not stand these movies yes but that is that that plays into why I think everything everywhere all at once is going to win this because it's kind of a darling when it comes to that um, classic like uh, I hated Weinstein it. like uh, yeah but it's kind of that that classic Weinstein uh, dude that's uh, a short film like uh, stretched um, to the breaking point as far as I'm concerned that 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 was a a concept stretched to the breaking point I, and, and I agree then some. but but I think people who vote for the Oscars are, are going to like that kind of crap. I think it's got a better than average chance of winning. And if not, I think Martin McDonough is uh, going to take it home that night. Although Todd Fields Tar is an extremely literate script, but it's so, I hate to use the word once again, esoteric and just, uh, it's not inviting at all. And the, the lead characters are, there's nothing about that, that script that I found intriguing, except for the fact I watched it and said, somebody put a lot of research into this fucking thing. Mm-hmm. So, I hope he gets some recognition for something. I like Todd Field as a performer, but this film was a complete waste of time. I couldn't get past... I, I had to watch it in, in fits and starts. Have you seen Tar? <laughs> no, I. it's not. Oh, It's not for me. I have no interest in it. There's a sequence <laughs> that goes on and on where she lectures in art class, you know, music class, and it reminded mm-hmm. me of being in film school with you and listening to fucking blowhard teachers go on and on and criticize your influences, but how could you know? You guys are just, you know, it's like, it was so condescending. I couldn't, I couldn't fucking stand it. I couldn't fucking stand it. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not watching. I'm trying not to watch things that I know, or that I have a really relatively good chance of not liking. uh, There's too many other things to watch. Good call. (laughs) Good call. Okay, let's move on to Best Actress. I'm going to give you the nominees here. Andrea Risebro for To Leslie, a film that grossed $27,000 and (laughs) caused a lot of controversy because nobody has seen the fucking thing. Michelle Williams, The Fableman, playing Steven Spielberg's mother. Kate Blanchett playing the lead in Tar. Ana de Armas for her performance as Marilyn Monroe in Blonde. And Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. What's your pick? My pick for this, and it's not because I think it's the best of the year. It's because... Well, what's your pick, and then what, what do you think is going to okay. win? Okay. <sighs> I'm not loving this group, to be, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm not. But I will say Michelle Williams, I guess, did what she had to do to, to get that. The one that I thought should be on this list that isn't, that I would have voted for, is Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie for Babylon. Mm. I mean, she acted her fucking ass off in that movie and is asked to do things that are embarrassing and and hard. And I mean, that's a tour de force and it was overlooked. And I really think they're going to go with Michelle Yeoh here. Uh, For some reason, I feel like they're almost given like a retrospective situation. And I think that Mm -hmm. Michelle Yeoh takes it home. Um, I was going to say Kate Blanchett, but I think it's almost played out that she gets the Oscar at this point. I mean, it... You got to see. I want you to watch the first five, five to ten minutes of Tar. <laughs> and, and tell me if you think you uh, know why it got nominated. Well, I know why it got nominated. I mean, she has a good chance at winning this this award, as you just said. I mean, I put her in the lead, but Michelle Yeoh it could very well take it as well. But I do think that Michelle Williams um, 
was really good in the Fablemans. I don't. I kind of disagree with you a little bit on that. She did what she did. I thought she was really good. I think that character is dog shit. Yeah, I hate that I, character. I, I don't like the, the mom at all. She's great at it. Um, but yeah, I don't think the idea was for me or for to make the mom so unlikable. But they they really did. She's the most unsympathetic character in that movie, and I didn't want to spend any more yeah. time with her. I mean, I agree with that damn near ruined the movie, but I thought Michelle Williams was great in the role. Fair enough. But all right. All right. What do we got next? Actor? Let's we got an actor here. Want me to do this? All right. Yeah, go ahead. We got uh, Austin Butler for Elvis, uh, Colin Farrell for Banshees of Inisherin, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Paul Mescal for After Sun. I don't know what that is. And Bill Nighy for Living, which we just learned what that is. What's After Sun? Uh, I'm not sure what that is either. I think that's another little indie darling. That's oh, uh, all right. Don't know what yeah. that is. Um, there you I go. Mean, yeah, we're really right. well researched on this <laughs> there show. You go. But hey, <laughs> this is what most of America is going to be saying too when these nominations are read. What no the fuck way. is that, that guy? That's what it happens all the time for the Oscars. Whenever I'm watching, them. people come yeah. out. What the fuck is that movie? All right, it doesn't a matter. Anyway, nomination somewhere. Yeah, don't yeah, worry about it. <laughs> the nomination is the win in that case. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want and think Brendan Fraser is going to win this, but um, you know, I think Austin Butler is a uh, is going to give a, a run for his money as far as votes go. Yeah, I think that the, it's really a, a race between those two. I think that Austin Butler uh, looks like he's got the best chance, and I, I do think you know, I haven't seen the whale, but from the performances mm-hmm. I saw on this list, um, Austin Butler did the hardest job. And that was to play somebody that we're very, very familiar with. And I, I know that if he well, doesn't get it. you should see the it, whale then if you want to talk about the hardest job. <laughs> I was going to say, if he doesn't get it, I would imagine it goes to, to Frazier. Um, Farrell is very, very good in his role, but it's not a flashy role by any means. So I don't think yeah. it has the juice to go that far. I think once again, for the rest of these people, Farrell, Nye, and, and Meskel, that this is the nomination is, is the win for them. Because those all have to be small roles. I mean, I, I can't imagine these are. I mean, I would agree, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's. What's the director? You want the director? We'll slip in director and best picture. Is that okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, so, uh, so oh, that's what we were doing anyway. Oh well. Fuck. All right. Well, then I'm not deviating <laughs> Isn't that from the plan. <laughs> those, those are the All last right. two, right? Yeah. Let's see here. So the the the, the big one of the night here. So we got. Uh, I'll do the nominations here. We got Martin McDonough, who also wrote the Banshees of Inisherin, um, mm-hmm. Todd Field for Tar. Ruben Ostlin for The Triangle of Sadness, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Mr. Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. I mm. don't know if there is a clear front runner in this category. Well, I, I think uh, I think Scheinert and Kwan just edge out Spielberg a little bit, but Spielberg could take it. But I think it's between those two, really. I think, I mean, if I'm looking at this list, because I think the best directing job of the year goes to Joseph Konansky. I can't say the guy's name for Top Gun. The the amount of sure, and I mean, I'd say Aronofsky for the whale. <laughs> okay, there you go. But I mean, the so we we don't even think that the best filmmakers are on. I'm not this even list. in this category. Yeah, I'm not even yeah. here. But I would just say based on votes on what I think people would vote for. I think I mean Spielberg's always a darling, and this is. A movie that I think Hollywood loves. It's a movie about Hollywood, but so is everything, everywhere, all at once, so to speak. And that's kind of a darling as well, so I don't know. I think Spielberg gets his uh, Oscar for the first time since 1998. I could, I could might as well just, just vote for him because 
He's Spielberg. Yeah, and, and these other two guys, I don't think that this film is that well directed. In fact, I think it's the opposite of well directed. I, I think it's don't chaotic. Either. Yeah. And <laughs> but I, I think they're going to get votes. But I want to say I think that Todd Field has a super outside chance of sneaking in with Tar because if the film is well directed, um, Maybe, it's got I just a don't, lot I, of choices that are made directorially that are very successful, but the film But on, I don't on think the that they've had not. a campaign enough on Tar. Um, I mean, every, everything everywhere all at once is practically campaigning. People are practically campaigning for it. Right. Um, and Spielberg is Spielberg. And I haven't seen much for as a campaigning for Tar. I mean, I have here and there, but not a lot. So I don't know. I didn't think that this, the direction on the Fablemans, though, was all... But then again, you know, Spielberg is classic of uh, doing a one And if you don't know what a one is, it, folks, it, it's, it's like when they do an unbroken shot for a long time. And most directors will call uh, Scorsese, De Palma, they'll call attention to themselves and they do it. And fucking Spielberg would do two or three in a row that you don't even realize because mm-hmm. uh, they're it's blocked well so directed. well. He, Spielberg is always Spielberg. Everything is blocked. Everything is framed. Everything yeah. is meticulously down to the letter done well. It's just, it's it's like not a very good movie, you know? (laughs) It's all for, a lot of promotion for nothing is is kind of the idea. That's like Um, Halloween Ends. Yeah, it's a good movie, but it's not the fucking, it's not Halloween movie. What the hell are you trying to pull here? (laughs) I hope, you know, like I said, out of this group, I hope Spielberg takes the statue home because there's films that he should have gotten it for that he didn't. I mean, Munich would have been one of them. Uh, a yeah, couple years Phoenix back, really good. Yeah, there, there's there's a few that he's been overlooked for in his career, and I think that they could never just, want, just yeah any any of his stuff. Even like uh, you know we like Tom Cruise. Watch his uh, Tom Cruise movies and just uh, you know everything uh, down to a T. Well, even the lesser of those two. I mean, you're talking about Minority Report and War of the Worlds, and War of the Worlds is clearly I don't know which the lesser of those lesser two. One. Which I one would say, you think War of the Worlds is lesser? Well, I just because in terms of the story structure, I would think Minority Report would be as oh, yeah. You know I mean, like yeah, I mean, in, in that sense, yeah, you're right. In, in what the what the ultimate goal mm-hmm. is of the movie, and I think that War of the Worlds is still a, a very very well done film. Well, AI is a horrible fucking movie. It's it really is superbly horrible it, movie. AI is hard to get through. It really yeah, is. it is. Yeah. But still, if you just if you turn the audio off and didn't pay attention to the movie and just pay attention to the directing, it's still good. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, there's a one shot in Minority Report that's so hidden and somebody showed me once and it blew my mind when Colin Farrell's getting in the elevator with Cruz they ha- he pulls the gun on him and then he gets out and that's all done in one shot and it, it does not mm-hmm. call attention to him it's, it's so masterfully done and acted and executed uh, that you just take it for granted and that's what I think everyone's done to Spielberg for a long time is just taking him for granted Okay, let's get to the big prize. All right. Best picture. Give me the nominees. Hit it. Best picture. Yeah. All Quiet on the Western Front. We got Avatar, The Way of Water. <laughs> All right. Uh, Banshees of Inishrin. Elvis. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun, and Triangle of Sadness, Women Talking. You know, I mean, I really think uh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once wins this. Um, the only thing that I think would even contend with that would be Elvis as far as voting goes I don't think any of these other things have a shot in hell well I'm going to surprise you my man and I'm going to say, say Top Gun has a better than average Avatar. chance I, I don't you, think it does you really think it does I really don't I think since everybody can vote every branch really can vote on this I think that there's going to be enough crossover sure. um, 
in from all the the crafts areas and all that in that mm -hmm. there has got to be i think some sort of a, a, I don't know a, a happiness that uh, the people hate Cruz that this is kind of be the litmus test I guess that well, his I think popularity that in in Hollywood and there's the just some artistry that um that gets I don't want to say it's not artistry you know but it's, you look at like everything everywhere all at once and you can understand that up against Top Gun which one's more artistic and so which one would the Hollywood people like uh like more. You know, even though I disagree with that mindset, but that's I. It feels like if we, I look back at past voting over the past ten years, that's how they vote. Yeah, it's it's just seemed the most um, artistic and the most fancy, and this is you know the best representation of where the industry is this year. If you are going by that metric, then Top Gun is a Herculean feat of editing, <laughs> sound design, all that. I mean, it really, I, I honestly, I, I keep I thinking more and more about it that there is this really outside really chance great. that they could sneak in and get enough votes to offset I mean, this. The fact that the whale's not on here just makes me not care anymore. And the critical consensus <laughs> on the whale, I think, was like in the 60%. So it wasn't like that was, Frasier was getting fantastic reviews all along, but the film itself wasn't getting great reviews but you're saying nay to that i i've heard i've seen plenty of bad reviews for it from even normal people and stuff and i get it it's not a movie for everyone that's for sure um i think much like uh, maybe perhaps everything i mean maybe i'm being unfair here but uh you have to kind of like film and like kind of like to explore characters and the character piece you know um and that type of stuff or else you're just not going to get into it yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see it now. I mean, you texted me the other night and said that it was your new front runner uh, for the best of the year, and that that blew me away. That was not expecting that. Um, and I'm you've always been a Brendan Fraser guy, though. So I and I've always of course liked Fraser, he's the, right. Look, he's the only guy that's played a Trevor that's actually a good guy. I'm the main <laughs> lead, and it's Trevor Anderson. It's me. It's my movie. It's uh, the story what, of my life. Was that a Dudley Do Right? Which one was that? Yeah, <laughs> it's George of the Jungle. Um, yeah, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Uh, he plays Trevor Anderson. Otherwise, hey, we just watched it. You saw Operation Cobra. Yeah. What's Trevor like in that movie? Yeah, he's the bad guy. Yeah, he's an asshole. He's always the Trevor, bad guy. Trevor shows up in movies, and you're like, and finally, it'll be like, oh, Trevor's a good guy in this movie. He's actually good, and he's nice. No, he's not. It's a trick. He's a douche. It'll be revealed yeah. later on. Trevor for trickery. Trevor's never the good guy. <laughs> Except in Journey to the Center of the Earth, starring Brendan Fraser and my life, my life story. I think you have the title for your autobiography, Trevor's right. Never the Good Guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And w when Trevor is the good guy, just wait. It'll be revealed later Ultimately on. Trevor's actually <laughs> not a good guy. <laughs> just like in the movie we just watched, actually. So That's exactly what happened. <laughs> we have a new movie, Maverick Rule. Rule 121, Trevor is always the bad guy. <laughs> always, don't be fooled. Guy. If he yeah. shows up and you're like, Trevor looks pretty good in this. He's stand-up guy. No, he's not. He's an asshole. Trevor's a douche. <laughs> well, I think we made some pretty solid uh, selections and predictions on tonight's show. I'm pretty pretty happy with the way this went. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that we're not too far off here. And... Um, I don't think that I think the only groan-inducing thing I said all night for you was uh, including Glass Onion in my uh, list of uh, what I think is going to win Best Adapted Screenplay. 
Um, and we'll talk about that on our next regular episode, which will be coming next week after you guys, where we'll get back and we'll be talking about some films. Amongst them, obviously, Glass Onions. It sounds like Trevor and I have some rehashing to do here. <laughs> and um, Clerks 3, amongst uh, a slew of others. So oh. I want to thank you guys for joining us on tonight's show. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I am Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage! <laughs>